So, you want to save the planet. In just a matter of months, more than 100 world leaders will gather in Glasgow, Scotland for COP26. There, they will make some of the biggest decisions yet on how to tackle climate change and set out plans that will change the way we all live our lives forever. But that's the big picture. What can we do to help now? I'm Lewis Mickey. And I'm Natalie Crawford Goodwin. And this is So You Want to Save the Planet. The Planet and Your Home. Okay, Lewis, we're often told the best place to start reducing our carbon footprint is at home. But just how easy is that in practice? Yeah, I guess we all know to not to leave our TVs on standby or to turn the lights off when we leave a room. But what else can we realistically do to save the planet at home? Well, I have been really quite curious to know about what my own household's personal impact on the climate is because I think we do quite well. We recycle. I'm the crazy mum always, you know, running around the house because this place is like Blackpool Illuminations. Turn off the lights. We actually had to go to the council and ask for bigger recycling bins. So I think that is always a good sign. So I was really keen to find out what our household carbon footprint is. And there's actually a quiz that you can take online to find out. I didn't know that. That actually must be like a bit of an eye-opener potentially as well. You know, it actually was. So it's really cool. You go in, you answer questions about the type of home you have, the type of car you drive, how often you use it, your shopping habits. Do you go to the supermarket? Do you buy fresh produce? What are your shopping habits in terms of clothing? Do you buy a lot of new clothes do you recycle how, you know all these kinds of things and then it takes all this information and it tells you whether you're a climate villain or a climate hero okay so are you a villain or a hero well it turns out i'm neither because there's two middle options as well and i am what they call a climate consumer which isn't quite as bad as a climate villain, but it does mean that although there are some things we're doing well at home, we could be doing a lot more to offset our personal household climate footprint. I'm a little bit scared to go and do this myself. Maybe I'll wait until you give some of your advice for the home (laughs) uh, in this episode first. I'll implement that. And then I'll come back and do the quiz. Yeah, Otherwise, I think that's I might a be good idea. called a villain. Yeah. And I don't want to be called a villain. It would I... make us look pretty hypocritical sitting here doing a podcast about how we save the planet. And we're both climate villains because our household carbon footprints, you know, up through the roof. I don't know if I'd be a villain, <laughs> but I might be on the villainous side of consumer. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. This makes sense as well, right? Because I've been doing a bit of research and it turns out a typical resident of the Western world, right, Mm. has a footprint of 10 tonnes of CO2 per year. Let's put that into a little bit of context. Today's world average is 5 tonnes CO2 per person per year. Mm. Now, to reduce the impacts of climate change, we have to get that average down to around 2 tonnes CO2 per person and that has to be done by 2030. That's nine years. That's in nine years we all have to reduce our carbon footprint by three tonnes of CO2 per year each. That's scary and it's eye-opening. But thankfully, I think I know how to do it. 
this quiz that I took recommended four different changes that were personalised to me because of the answers that I put in that could help offset my household carbon footprint. And the first two were to recycle more and cut down on single-use plastic. I feel like I already do quite well in the recycling side of things, but this quiz says otherwise. Yeah, it makes sense as somewhere to start. It's one of the things we hear about the most, isn't it? You know, remember to recycle and who can forget all the controversy about straws that (laughs) turns out maybe doesn't actually make that much of a difference. But um, Well, the straws were more for the animals, weren't they? Because we're all very familiar with that viral video of that poor wee turtle or the tortoise or whatever it was with the straw stuck up its... Do you remember that? That was just horrific. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, though, with those videos, that's what makes an impact so much of the time. You can have people like us who talk about it, but those are are really visceral and really make an impact in people's minds. Absolutely. So I sat down and had a chat with Karen Anderson, who is the lead on recycling for Renfrewshire Council. Their local authority is one of the best in Scotland for the proportion of household waste that is actually recycled. The last time that we had a step change in an upward movement towards a recycling was in 2018. We introduced three weekly collection of the residual waste And that has had the biggest impact that we've seen in terms of recycling figures increasing. And that's because it prompts the lazy recycler, the recycler that does it some of the time, but not all of the time. The people that are intelligent and that they understand the carbon impact of what they do. Occasionally you get resistance. You have genuine concern because people have genuine issues. For example, if someone has a medical condition or something, then we do put special arrangements in for them. So those were things that came through for a small amount of the public who had a genuine reason. In terms of the general public, it was accepted that they need to do something to improve. Putting in wheelie bins in in the the early 90s was probably a bigger issue to the public at that time than just trying to engage with recycling nowadays. What kind of hints and tips then would you give to somebody that's struggling with household recycling? Maybe they are a wee bit lazy or maybe they just don't understand what they can and can't put into their recycling bins. When we were doing the communication exercise, we really did communicate with every single householder in the infrastructure and that did prompt everyone, reminded them what to do and to do it properly. But I took a wheelie bin round with me and that wheelie bin had the percentages of the material in a grey bin that shouldn't be there. And I don't think many people could argue because 68% of an average grey bin in our figures in 2018 was material that shouldn't have been there. The biggest step change you can make by far um, is in terms of your food waste and recycling that. It's quite compact, but it's very heavy. So a big percentage of the material that's still going into the grey bin is still food waste. The other important thing is to make sure that you put the right material in the right recycling bin. I know it can be confusing, but I mean, very simple terms, our blue bin used to be the bin that everybody put all of their recycling in, and it's kind of now split into two separate waste streams. It's only paper and cardboard, so you would imagine that would be quite simple to understand, because that's the easy bit. But we do find there's quite a high percentage of recycler that's in the wrong bin, and we always get a proportion of material that should never be there at all. Not only does it impact on your carbon, it costs us a lot of money to process that material in that way as well. 
So sort it out. Think about what you're doing. We've got stickers. We've got advice to remind people. There are some challenging things. And to be fair, some of those will improve as the future goes on with labelling, because that's something that we're looking for under the extended producer responsibility. So packaging will be labelled much better as either recyclable or not. And that should help for the future. In terms of like the plastic and glass, if it's dirty and things like that, it can't get recycled the same. Is, is that right? Well, it doesn't have to be pristine. I do know a lady that puts all her glasses in the dishwasher. You don't have to do that. Just give it a simple rinse. You know, don't make it too complicated for yourself. You don't have to be too fussy about it. Just make sure that any food waste removed from any of your plastics and it's relatively clean, but it doesn't have to be spotless. There's really good examples of businesses who are packaging much better. So do what you can and even small things will make a big difference. If you imagine that everybody in every household just took a step up, you would find that one, it costs less because any material that goes into that grey bin is the most expensive way to dispose of it. And then all these other bins, it's a lot cheaper to dispose of the material. But if it's kept clean and the material's good, we'll also build up jobs within Scotland too. And that's a really important thing. So if we provide consistently good material, high levels of it and very clean material, businesses will start to evolve in Scotland that use that material and recycle it and do things with it. So we want to encourage that because there is a green recovery on its way and we're trying to promote you know, employment throughout Scotland with recycling. So you want to save the planet? That's the recycling taken care of, but tell me about your single-use plastics. Well, so much of our food shopping comes wrapped in this stuff. It's almost impossible to avoid it when you're out shopping. Even something as simple as buying a bag of bananas, there they are in plastic and not all of that plastic can actually be recycled. But over the last few years, there's been a growing number of these zero waste markets popping up all over the UK. I'm glad you mentioned bananas because that is like my biggest bugbear. I go in and then it's, oh, those are always the ones that have the best dates as well. So yep. it's like you have to yep. make a choice. But yeah, these markets, I've heard of these. I can't say I've been to one. But I mean, those are the sorts of ones where you turn up with a reusable container for like your cereal or your carbs and your fruit and your veg, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So there's one actually not too far from you, um, if you fancy making the journey, in our broth called Sino Waste. And I had a chat with owner Sammy about how all works and how I could start shopping at a zero waste market. The concept of the shop is basically going back in time to the way that it used to be. We have eliminated plastic completely from our store so we're probably one of the main uh, zero waste shops that doesn't contain any plastic for the customer. The idea is for you to bring your own containers, reusable washing up liquid bottles that we can refill for you. We have a scale system that we can take the weight of each container and deduct that from the content. So you're only actually paying for the content. So when you get home, you basically dispense it into your own containers at home and that's it. There's nothing to put in the bin. There's nothing to throw out. So essentially there's nothing for landfill or the environment to get cluttered with. It's a really good atmosphere when you come to the shop because it's basically one-to-one shopping. You've got my knowledge and background of each product that we sell. We actually have about 270 individual items in our store, which is only food. That's nothing to do with the plastic alternatives that we have. We're actually, we've got a huge range available and that ranges from your basic cereals, your pasta, your grains, um, your herbs and spices, an immense range. So it's like a pick and mix store for adults. It's great. <laughs> do you think it 
it would surprise people the amount of stuff that's actually available in a zero waste shop. Definitely. People come in and are really surprised and shocked of what we actually have. And if there's something specific that you can't find in a supermarket, we're guaranteed to have it. And people are really surprised with the cost of the item as well, because like, we were really conscientious about the pricing of our products. For us, it wasn't about profit. It was allowing people to shop in a way that wasn't going to fit the environment. The way that me and my husband did it is we took one room at a time because obviously switching this way, especially if you're buying alternatives like your bamboo toothbrushes, all that kind of stuff, it can be cost implications for that. But likes of the food, it was really easy for us. It actually took me having a little hissy fit in a supermarket because I was just so annoyed at the amount of plastic that was everywhere. And I actually dropped my shopping and left. <laughs> and then that's why we opened up Casino Waste. So take one room at a time is the best way to do it. But food-wise, you can kind of grow it, especially shops like ours. We've got the biggest range, so you can kind of cover everything. What are some like really easy food items to start with? You know, you were a complete novice to this. Herbs and spices are really popular in our shop. I mean, if you think of herbs and spices in a normal supermarket, you're looking at about £1.50. I mean, I had a customer in today that got about 20 baileys and it cost her 10p. I mean, we're really cost effective when it comes to herbs and spices. If you're making a meal and you need like a tablespoon, you don't have to buy the entire jar. You can come in and get a scoop and that's it. You're done. So you've got no waste. Shampoo and conditioner, we sell bars that last about seven months. Again, that comes in a tin or it comes naked in a paper bag. And again, no waste. And one of the things that I found really interesting that you said at the start is it's literally going back to the old way of working, which for a lot of us, and I'm 30, that's a completely foreign concept to me. I mean, the younger generation are probably more on top of the climate issue. I go to a lot of primary schools and they're really on their game. They know what they're talking about. But likes of Manan, um, who's no longer with us, I remember her telling me about getting stuff in brown paper bags at the grocery store. And I just thought it was a lovely concept just trying to bring it back. It's a lot more hygienic these days with the gravity-fed dispensers. So obviously old stock, new stock. It's upped its game a little bit and it's a lot more hygienic, which is what people need these days. So, I mean, I have seen posts of like Asda and places like this introducing zero waste aspects within their store. I would love it to see it everywhere. I mean, it just, it makes sense. Our planet is at this crisis point where things need to be done and it would be a blessing for all stores to introduce this kind of way of shopping, yeah. What harm can it do? It can't do any harm whatsoever to try it. And it's so much fun. <laughs> so, you want to save the planet? So, with the plastic now banished from my weekly shop, it's time to tackle the next suggestion from our quiz, which is using more environmentally friendly cleaning products. Now, I have to be honest, I genuinely had no idea some of the cleaning products I used were so bad for the planet. And that's because of... A, the amount of plastic they use, but also because of the chemicals and the amount of CO2 that's actually used transporting them from A to B. Because I'm not sure if you know this, Luce, but actually your surface sprays and your household cleaners, things that you clean your bathroom with and your kitchen surfaces, are actually made up of like 80 to 90% water. So really, all these big haulage trucks and HGVs that are travelling up and down our country's motorways, taking these cleaning products to your supermarkets, they're basically just carrying water. You're and paying. I can tell this is going to be a difficult one to tackle, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, just like me, buy the absolute cheapest cleaning products <laughs> that we can get our hands on and put them in the cupboard. And I, I don't even know how many cleaning products I've bought. Whenever I moved into my first flat, I think my mum gave me a box of about... 
200 different <laughs> sprays I mean so maybe I'm actually doing a good job because I haven't bought anything myself my mum on the other hand maybe not <laughs> so yeah like you said it is a really tricky one to try and tackle and there are some companies that are moving towards more environmentally friendly alternatives you might be noticed the next time you go to do your big shop that um, some of the bigger brands are starting to sell refillable so you buy your bottle the first time and then the next time you go you buy the liquid and concentrate and it comes in a much much smaller bottle and you just use that to top up your big bottle that you bought the first time and then fill it up with water but I found a company online called Small who have actually gone massive massive steps and strides beyond that they send environmentally friendly laundry capsules dishwater tablets and your household cleaners directly to your door all in recyclable, environmentally friendly packaging and they also use couriers who are already offsetting their carbon emissions. Schmoll was co-founded by Paula Quasi and I had the chance to sit down with Paula and find out what they're doing differently from the big cleaning brands. So our laundry capsules are very small, they're super concentrated, so we take down all the unnecessary chemicals that are in there, so Believe it or not, these products have been made for a long time with some things that make you believe that they're working. So they add chemicals. For example, chemicals are added to create foam so that when you look in the washing machine, you see foam and that makes you think that it's working. That actually doesn't help the process. So we took all those sorts of chemicals away and only kept chemicals that were really required to clean the laundry and we reduce down everything else. So our capsules are very, very small and much smaller than any of the other products out there. They have less chemicals than the equivalent products for the same wash performance. In addition to that, we have a lower carbon footprint. So buying our products versus buying another brand, you reduce the carbon footprint that's required to produce it. In addition to that, we package everything in 100% cardboard packaging, whereas everybody in the laundry capsule space packages in plastic, and most of them in virgin plastic. In addition to that, none of our products are tested on animals, so they're completely cruelty-free, they're Leaping Bunny accredited, they're vegan, there's no animal product in them. So there's lots and lots of things that we're doing to make our products better for the environment than any other capsules out there. And why do you think smaller are the only ones in this space that are really doing something like this? Why are the other kind of laundry manufacturers, for example, still packaging in all this plastic and all these tubs mm -hmm. and tubs and tubs that you see? Of, of mm -hmm. Why aren't they taking these steps? Is it, is it particularly hard to do? I think it is hard to do. Obviously, I don't know if you're aware, but myself and my business partner both worked at Unilever. So we're familiar with those big organisations and how they work. And for them to change what they're doing takes a lot of effort because they create systems that do one thing very, very, very well. And that's all that they can do. So to change is very difficult for them. And up until now, until we arrived, there was no reason for them to change because actually they own the market and their competitors were doing exactly the same as them. So there was no need, there was no catalyst for change. So part of our coming into the marketplace is also to create a catalyst to produce that change so that nobody is in plastic anymore, everybody should be in cardboard, that nobody is using unnecessary chemicals, 
everybody should be reducing down their chemical load but it is hard to do and it took us a long time it took us over two years to develop our products but we were absolutely adamant that it was possible and we worked and worked and worked until we could get products that had significantly less chemicals but had exactly the same performance level We've spoken about the laundry cabs, but also recently you have launched a range of household cleaners as well. So you have your surface, your kitchen and your glass cleaner. Mm -hmm. And they obviously come in these little tablets, which will be really unfamiliar to a lot of people. So Mm. talk to me kind of a wee bit about the process and how that came to be. In surface sprays, again, it was another discovery in that we realised that Pretty much all the surface sprays that you buy on the shelf in a supermarket are 90% water. So you're buying something which is largely filled up with water and you're paying for the shipping of that product all around the country and to be placed on the shelf. You're also paying for the plastic bottle and the trigger that you buy every time. So once you've used it, you throw it away and you buy a new one. And we just felt that was completely unnecessary. So we took the actives that are present within the sprays to clean surfaces and we concentrated those into a tiny small tablet and then that tablet is put into a bottle for life which we provide you with you have a bottle for life you add water to it it dissolves it sort of effervesces a bit like a Barocca tablet and you then have your spray and when that's finished you just get another tablet and all of our tablets are packaged in compostable paper wrappers So you can put those in your home compost or in rubbish, whatever. It will just decompose down to nothing. So there's no waste at all. And the plastic bottle that you have is made out of recycled plastic and it's yours for life. You never have to buy a bottle again. The average family in the UK buy between 25 and 30 trigger spray bottles a year. There's a lot of plastic wasted unnecessarily and a lot of carbon wasted by shipping all that water around the country again unnecessarily because you can get it out of your tap. So, you want to save the planet? Right, well, I think I've actually learned a lot in this episode, Good. especially I'm about so the cleaning products. <laughs> yeah, the cleaning products, trust me, those real, ones. Yeah, it's a real eye-opener. Yeah, and I think it's just, until you know, you don't know. And I know that's yep. such a simple thing to say, and, and I suppose we all have a bit of responsibility now to try and learn a little bit more Absolutely. so that we can make the difference. But anyway... I'm really interested to know now, have you went back and done the quiz again? I have, and I am very proud and very pleased to say that after getting even more strict about the light switches in the house, switching up my cleaning routine and using more environmentally friendly products, recycling a bit more and trying to cut out my single-use plastic, I am officially a climate hero. Thank you very much. I'll take a round of applause there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your local council must be so annoyed that you've went and asked for another recycling bin, though. Like, (laughs) there's only so many that they can possibly give you. I know, and you know, I had to wait so long for the last one because of the pandemic. There's actually been a shortage of polymer that they use to make the bins. It's a genuine true story. Like, there's a shortage. I've just learned something else. Yeah, there's a shortage of polymer that they use to actually make the bin. So, I did have to wait a little bit longer for my latest recycling bin, but I'm filling them up. They're going out, and I can can safely say that all the paper, cardboard, plastic, and glass that comes into my house goes straight back out in a recycling bin. I suppose I should probably tell our lovely listeners what they will get to hear on episode three. Yes. And 
again, that episode is ready for you to listen to right now. Wow. Um, and after that, you'll have to start waiting week to week for our episodes. <laughs> and, you know, once we've really built up that anticipation. Mm-hmm. In episode three, we're looking at the pandemic. And I know, right, everyone's sick of the pandemic. Yep. But there are a lot of things related to climate that are really important when it comes to what's happened over the last year and a half. So we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss home working. We're going to talk about litter picking and the difference that makes and how much masks have been added to that. Yeah, of course. Basically, we're going to look at how last year has impacted also how we are looking to make this transition from fossil fuels to renewables. So there's a lot to pack in to episode three. and You can go and listen to that right now. The planet and your home. 